years I've lived a double life. In the day I do my job, I ride the bus, roll up my sleeves with the hoi polloi. But at night, I live a life of exhilaration. Of missed heartbeats and adrenaline. And, if the truth be known... A life of dubious virtue. I won't deny I've been engaged in violence, even indulged in it. I've maimed and killed adversaries, and not merely in self-defence. I've exhibited disregard for life, limb and property. And savoured every moment. You may not think it to look at me, but I have commanded armies. And conquered worlds. And though in achieving these things, I have set morality aside. I have no regrets. For though I've led a double life, at least I can say, I've lived. very first Venom Quest PlayStation podcast. I'll be taking a look at the week's news and issues in the world of PlayStation and it will be a show for the players, the gamers and the fans. So I'm glad you can join me in this PlayStation conversation. So you might be wondering who is this guy and why I'm producing a podcast. So let me give you a very brief introduction to myself. I'm a long-time gamer As a very little kid, my sister dragged me along to a neighbor's house and I had my first experience playing a game and that was Bionatone Pong or tennis. And I instantly loved it. I was hooked. It was a very weird experience. I was mesmerized by it all. You know, I had this little paddle with a little uh, stick which you turn left and right. It would make this stick on the TV move up and down so you could hit the ball. It was amazing. It was groundbreaking. Anyway, since then, I've been into gaming. If I had to say my favorite console or computer from the old generation, my favorite console or computer would have to be the Commodore Amiga 500. Now, back in the day when it came out, it was amazing. The Amiga 500 Batman movie bundle. You had the game, you had Deluxe Paint or Deluxe Paint 2 or 3. there was a Interceptor, Flight Interceptor game, New Zealand Story, which was a fantastic arcade game. It was terrific. And back in 89, 1990, it was the golden era of home computing in the UK, I'd say. And so you had these big release games coming out. You also had the start of the shareware scene, which was people making free programs, mini programs, and sharing them and you could order them, and I guess this was the precursor to the indie scene. So I've been buying these computer game magazines since I've been a child, a kid, and I have bought practically every magazine that's been released. The first one was Computer and Video Games, which is a classic British magazine, now no longer on the shelves, and in fact the website has been closed down as well. But I would read these magazines, and you'd read the magazines to find out the latest news, what's coming out, what's what's going to be the newest game, what's going to be the newest console. You have these updates from E3 and learning about E3 was so magical because pre-internet era, the only place you would get your information was from the magazines. So yeah, E3, understandably, very exciting to any gamer. 
when the internet first started taking off, you would get the press conferences broadcast over the internet. Now, back in the dial-up days, I'd only be able to watch in a small corner of the screen a very low quality broadcast. Now, you have a full 1080p broadcast and you can watch it in the comfort of your settee or your sofa on your big screen HDTV. So E3 has always seemed like this big, distant, marvelous place. And back in early 2013, Sony had already indicated that it would be the start of the new generation. They had announced their PlayStation 4 console and um, Microsoft also announced that they would be holding a press conference. So I thought that was as good a time as any to go to E3. So booked a ticket, got into E3, got my visitors passes, traveled to E3 in June in LA, and it was a fantastic year to go. The launch of the PlayStation 4, the launch of the Xbox One. Literally the whole of the conference center was crackling with excitement. And it was just fantastic to go to LA and go to the gaming scene and go to the gaming mecca. I got into the Xbox One conference, the PlayStation 4 conference, and they were both amazing. Now, I don't know if you remember back at that time, there were a lot of unanswered questions about the Xbox One and if it would require 24-hour check-in. So when it came to the Xbox One conference, people were hoping Microsoft would answer these questions. And they didn't. They avoided them completely. And they announced the price, and it wasn't cheap. And by the end of that Monday, the first day of the E3 press conferences, people were wondering what Sony were going to do with their PlayStation. And um, I had to queue for, because I never had a ticket, I had to queue for maybe four hours outside the conference center, which were, Sony were holding it. But I managed to get in, and the place was crackling with excitement. Everybody was hoping, everybody was waiting to see what Sony were going to announce. And then it happened. They showed the new PS4 and it looked lovely. They answered the question of their used game policy and they revealed they wouldn't be having one. And then they announced the price and it was so much cheaper than the Xbox One. And the crowd went crazy. And dear old Jack Tretton, the old boss of Sony America or PlayStation America, SCEA, he was just... Um, reveling in the applause he, he was loving it i remember listening to a podcast from n4g i think and um the guy said that the cheers in the stadium were faked that they were probably people paid to do it well i was there and from what i could see no it was real people real cheering not coming from one place coming from all around the stadium it was a great day so anyway what happened? Sony started this generation and they came out swinging. They had a good start. They had the crowds behind them. They had players behind them. They had the right message that the console was for the players. It wasn't about connected TV. It wasn't about the Windows operating system. It was all about the games. They had a strong focus on sharing. The share button built in into the console. And I think that this pushing of boundaries in the field of gaming is something people expect from Sony, from PlayStation. So with the PS4, you have this focus on sharing and look how, how fast this has taken off. What a big part of the gaming scene it is to take a screenshot by pressing a button, to record your footage by pressing a button. There is the PlayStation Now streaming service. 
okay, I'm not sure if it's going to be a big part of the future, but Sony took a punt. They took a, a guess on the future. Maybe it will be a big part of it. PlayStation VR. Sony are the, have the only console with a VR solution at the moment. The Wii U has nothing. Now, I'm sure we're going to see something from them later this year. Microsoft don't have a VR solution, but they have realized that they were left outside of the VR conversation. That's why uh, Microsoft or Xbox boss Phil Spencer was so quick to form a partnership with Oculus so that it would seem that Microsoft are also using a technology. Now, I'm sure we're going to see something from them later this year. However, they don't have anything at the moment. So Sony, they've got the PlayStation Morpheus or PlayStation VR. And it's not just a hypothetical um, technology that might be coming out in a couple of years. It's real. It's made. It's out there. It's been tested, not just by developers, but by the public. I've used it. It's real and it's coming out later this year. So yes, the Xbox 360, it was a very successful console on its home turf in the USA. And I think this gives the US media and the US public a skewed version of what the console landscape is really like. Because whilst it has been successful there, the rest of the world is most definitely a PlayStation nation. Okay, maybe Japan, or definitely Japan, their favorite console is the Nintendo 3DS. And maybe there are a couple of other Asian countries that are fans of the Nintendo. But generally across the rest of the world, it's all PlayStation. It's all PlayStation because this is what PlayStation is about. It's their prime business. It's all games, nothing else. And this is why to the world, PlayStation is the universal language of gaming. So this is why it's so great to play on a Sony PlayStation. And this is why I'm making this podcast. I'd like to talk about it. There's so many exciting things happening this year. And I want to talk about them. And I want to get excited about them. And I want to complain about some of the things. I thought a podcast is the best place to do this. And that's why I'm here today sharing my thoughts with you. So what does Sony PlayStation 4 offer in 2016? Well, you've got the third party games that perform better on PS4. Perhaps they're not a league better than the Xbox One, but visually they are better. So a game might be 900p resolution on the Xbox One, it's 1080p on the PlayStation 4. Does it change the playing experience? No, of course not. You're going to get the same game. And generally the frame rates are hopefully roughly the same. But what it means is if you do notice the difference, if you do want that best visual quality, then the PS4 is the console for you. Now, there are some phenomenal exclusive games coming out this year. You've got Uncharted 4, Street Fighter 5, Horizon Zero Dawn. You've got that new technology I talked about, the PSVR. 2016 is going to be golden. And so this is why it's so important to have a good place to talk about everything. So, that's just my opinion. Alright, let's look to news of the week. NPD sales figures for December, PlayStation 4 was the biggest seller in December. Now, whilst these numbers are not shared publicly, various companies leaked them, and normally the company which has had the best-selling console, they will make a statement. In this case, it's Sony, and what they've said is, as we reflect on an amazing year, we want to thank fans and partners for making PlayStation 4 
the top-selling console in December and in 2015. PS4 also had the strongest third-party software sales in 2015 in the US, according to NPD. So that's a real achievement considering all the drastic price cutting in the US and the fact that the Xbox One does have a, a, a strong audience over there. The PlayStation 4 still came out and sold the most. I mean, it's to be expected considering they had some terrific bundles such as the Star Wars Battlefront bundle and that advert and coming out at the same time as the new Star Wars movie. Well, then that certainly would have had an effect on getting the attention from the public. I mean, that was fantastic marketing to tie in with the new Star Wars movie. On top of that, there was the PS4 Nathan Drake bundle. And what it meant was anybody buying the console, they had the Nathan Drake collection, obviously free great games, but it meant a person could buy the console and have some games to get started with. Fantastic. What's interesting is we've actually got some figures for Germany and France. So they are two of the of Europe's biggest territories after the UK. Now, PlayStation 4 sales in Germany, lifetime sales, there are 2,800,000 PS4 sales. Wii U, there are 690,000. And surprisingly, Expo sales, only 600,000. That means it is coming third in Germany. And before you think, oh, it's only Germany, Germany is a massive market. So in Germany, the PS4 is outselling the Xbox One by almost five times. Okay, now if we look to France, PlayStation 4 sales in France. These are the total sales for 2015, and PlayStation 4 has 1 million sales. The Xbox One, 298,000, and the Wii U, 228,000. So that's a difference of three times as much between the Xbox One and the PS4. And that's really quite significant, these two major European markets and the Xbox One is being trounced. And so it's for this reason, perhaps, that Microsoft have decided not to reveal their sales figures. But it is absolutely shocking that the, the Nintendo Wii U, which is generally regarded to be this failure of a machine, has outsold the Xbox One in Germany. So I'm guessing there are a lot of frantic conversations going on behind closed doors at Microsoft regardless of what's being said to the public and all the public bluster, that is a significant um, sales difference. The Ratchet & Clank box art and release date have been revealed. Now this is quite interesting. The game will be coming out in North America on the 12th of April, in Europe on the 20th and the UK the 22nd. So Ratchet & Clank is a remake of the original game with changes to tie in with the new movie that's also coming out this year. Now the game from the trailers, it looks lovely. It's very much a, it looks like a CGI movie and I guess that's the point. And the game in fact has been finished, um, well it was finished last year, but it was held back, held back from release so that it could be released at the time of the movie coming out. However, since then, a couple of things have happened. The Uncharted 4, release date has been delayed. So what we're going to see is a near clash between these two big first party exclusives for the PlayStation 4. 
So, Uncharted 4 is being released on the 26th of April in North America. That means it's just a two-week gap, two weeks after the release of Ratchet and & Clank. And in the UK, it will be released on the 29th of April, which is just a one-week gap from Ratchet & Clank. So, it could be said that it won't affect sales, that they are different types of game, that they appeal to two different audiences. But you know what? I do think it will have an impact. Because at the end of the day, people have, gamers have a finite amount of money. And if there's one big, if there's one big um, exclusive coming out to their console, people are going to want to buy it. But if there are two coming, people are going to go for the one that they want most, which probably will be Uncharted 4. Now, I don't want to discount the, the possible sales success of the game, of, of Ratchet and Clank, because at the end of the day, if this movie is coming out, it could do wonders for the game. That bit of that uh, co-marketing synergy. So hopefully the movie is something good, it resonates with children, but it's possible that if this one does, then it will mean children who are going to see it will want to play the Ratchet and Clank game. And if they want to play it and they need a console to play it on, again, that means PlayStation 4 sales. Now, the film has got a confirmed release in the US on the 29th of April, and apparently this means a wide release. It means that it will be shown on quite a few or very many cinema screens. At the moment, there are no details on a UK or European release. And remember, just because the film is made, it has to have a release. It has to have good distribution. So, let's wait and see how this one works out. Five years of PlayStation Plus reward. Now some gamers, they've been waking up to a nice surprise. They've been receiving a delivery of a framed poster with details of their online statistics. Quite random statistics. Now it's been awarded to PS4 or PlayStation gamers who have been subscribing to PlayStation Plus for five years. So it's now been um, just over five years since the PlayStation Plus service launched and it means that anybody who's been subscribing since the beginning they'll be getting this reward now grcade.co.uk is a uk-based video game forum now forum member youngstar said sony initially contacted him last october and they were giving gifts to long-time members they asked him if he wanted one but he would have to opt in and he selected yes and he received his now having a look at the statistics on the poster you have a solid frame, and then the poster in the frame, and the statistics, they are quite random. They list things like um, the amount of friends you've got, online friends, and also the amount of number one games you've played in their first month. So from what I can tell from the reaction online is that not everybody is happy about them, but you know, if it's free, I think it's a nice way, it's a nice way for Sony to say thank you to their longest users. Now the question I have is, I didn't subscribe from the beginning, but I did soon after. Now, every time my subscription has lapsed, I've always had a couple of days in between where I have yet to renew it and then I go on to renew it. What I would like to know is all the time that I have subscribed, is it accumulated together? Is it added together so that they can see when I've been a member for five years? Or does it reset every time your subscription lapses? because I would hate to miss out. I would like one of these things. I mean, maybe they're not that important to have a poster, maybe it's not that important, but why not? It's a good thing. Now, speaking of PS Plus, 
Sony have been sending out a code for one free day of PlayStation Plus to compensate for PlayStation Network going offline earlier this month. Now, at the start of the month, there was an outage and people didn't know what it was. There was speculation that it was for, for unplanned maintenance. And the exact reason we don't know, whether it was just the technical issues behind the scene or whether it was perhaps a mini hack or denial of service, we don't know. But regardless, the service came back on and in return for people missing out on one day, what Sony have done is they have now emailed PlayStation Plus subscribers with a code. And this code, once it's entered, it gives you one free day of PlayStation Plus. You must redeem it by the 31st of March this year, otherwise it will expire. Better than a punch in the face. PlayStation 4 System Software Update 3.15. Now, this is not one of the special updates. This is something that's just to take care of the, the OS behind the scene. And what Sony have said about it is it improves the quality of the system performance. So maybe it makes the OS a little bit faster or a little bit more reliable, but they never explain these things. As for when the next big update comes, hopefully it should be in the first quarter of this year. You may remember that Sony, they sent out a questionnaire to certain PlayStation owners asking them how often they would like PlayStation system updates and about the features. So if they've been listening, I believe a lot of the reaction that they would be getting is that they would, people or gamers, want bigger updates more often. At the end of last year, the PlayStation blog, both the European blog and the US blog, asked their visitors to vote for their Game of the Year winners. Now it's basically, you know, for people to choose what game they liked the best, which had the best sound, which was the best development studio, that sort of thing. Nearly 600,000 people voted, which is a considerable amount of people and it gives you a good spread of opinion. And the results are in, and um, I'm not going to read them all out to you, I'll just tell you the winners of uh, the best games. The winner of the best PS4 game is The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. The winner of the best PS3 game is Metal Gear Solid The Phantom Pain. Kojima's last for Konami definitely hit some good notes there. And the winner of the best Vita game is Resident Evil Revelations 2. So if you want to see all the rest of the winners, go to your blog for your nation and you can see all the other category winners. I will add a link in the show notes on the VenomQuest.com webpage for this podcast and on SoundCloud. Suffice to say, it was CD Projects year. 23 new games added to PlayStation Now. The PlayStation Now service in Europe has had 23 new games added, obviously, but there are some big titles in that new bunch, including Borderland 1 and 2, and also Bioshock 1 and 2. PlayStation Now, it's had a bit of a rocky start when it was in beta because Sony were trying to work out what they should do with the pricing, and they were charging people some crazy amounts to rent a game for one day or two days, and it seems that they've um, got the right idea now with a subscription model similar to Netflix. They were offering a fantastic deal just before Christmas, which I think has expired. You can still get a subscription for a decent price. I mean, it varies across territories. And when you think about the amount of games you get, it's terrific value. It really, really is amazing. Obviously, you need a fast internet connection. It's just a question of who is PlayStation now going to appeal to. If you've got a PS4, 
you might not see the value in going back and playing these PS3 games. But I, just looking at it, I mean, I'm thinking Sony really need to try and get their service available to as many people who are not using PlayStation platforms. I think it's available, it is available on certain Sony TVs, but I know they wanted to bring it to certain Samsung TVs as well. So if people who don't own a PlayStation have access to this library of PlayStation games and they can earn trophies and build their profile, that's amazing. You're able to play PlayStation without actually owning a PlayStation. As ever, it's all about the price. And I must say, I haven't actually subscribed yet. Although, that's only because I just don't have the time. If I had the time, I would. I know Sonic the Hedgehog 4 is there and I wouldn't mind giving that a play because that's one of the games that passed me by. Now, Amazon USA pre-orders will be getting a 20% discount. So, subscribers to Amazon's Prime service in the USA will now be able to get a 20% discount on all physical game pre-orders. Not only will it be pre-orders, it'll be any games that are released, um, that are ordered in the first two weeks of release. So in the UK, Amazon prices are pretty competitive. They're not always the cheapest, but they're competitive. If you've got this competitive price and then a 20% discount on top, that's a big drive to get people to buy or to subscribe to Amazon Prime. There is a new PS4 console exclusive retail branding in the US. So there's been a little bit of hullabaloo about this. Street Fighter V boxes in the USA, they've been previewed and the artwork on the top right corner has some text and on it it says PS4 console exclusive game. Now there's been some discussion about whether it looks pretty or not or whether it just makes the box look a little bit more crowded or ugly and some people not happy that it says PS4 exclusive. Some people even calling it dishonest, but you know, it doesn't look that pretty, but that's what console manufacturers do. Um, Sony have done it with the PlayStation. You know, they say when a game is exclusive, Microsoft have done it when they said a game is only on Xbox or Windows. This is pretty much the same thing. It's saying that the only console you'd be able to play on is a PS4. So it's not really dishonest. The artwork for Street Fighter V in Europe hasn't been revealed yet. I've had a look in the, um, in the Sony Press website. But normally the packaging from Europe and the USA is different. One of the things I don't like about PlayStation packaging in the UK and Europe is that for any exclusive games, on the spine, instead of using the artwork for the logo, it uses the same default, and I think it's Arial font. If you're playing Resistance, it's got the same font. If you're playing Killzone, it's the same font. It's always the same. And I would much prefer to see the, the original artwork. Psychonauts is coming to PS4. Now, Psychonauts is an old PS2 game about a young psychic, and I'm reading this out to you, a young psychic named Rasputin in his quest to join an elite group of international psychic secret agents the psychonauts now it's a game from double fine and it was apparently a bit of a hit on the ps2 i never played it myself and this is one of the ps2 games that is coming to ps4 via backwards compatibility so it will be up rendered to 1080p and will feature full trophy support so if you're looking to play that game or looking to experience it again that's a nice way to do it i mean i've bought Fire City on the backwards compatibility version, and yeah, it's nice. However, 
they really do have to work something out about the pricing. I mean, in the UK, I think I paid something like $12.99, which is a crazy high price for a game that you can get pretty much everywhere else on iOS or Steam for about $1.99. So if Sony managed to make the prices a bit more reasonable, I think they'd be able to sell a lot more. Grand Theft Auto 5 Story Content Rumours Now GTA 5 was released at the end of 2013 on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. It's been over two years and there has been no expansion pack. As you may remember GTA 4 received two expansion packs. One was the Ballad of Gay Tony and the other one was, was it The Quick and the Dead? Something like that, I can't remember the exact title now. So there was a hope or an expectation that Rockstar, they've made this big world, this big city, there should be an expansion pack, but there has been nothing. There've been a couple of mixed signals. At one point, Rockstar alluded to the fact that if they were to release a bit of software, it might only be new gen compatible. Then afterwards, there was another statement saying they might not be releasing anything at all. They have just been releasing content solely for the online game, GTA Online which has been a big hit for them and a big driver of revenue as people have been buying shark credit or new vehicles or whatever it is. So I think it's to Rockstar's credit that there is a desire for them to release DLC. Although to be fair, it's not some little unnecessary microtransaction like a, a cosmetic feature like a car or a house. Rockstar have been good in delivering full meaty expansions and so if you could go back into the game world and play a full meaty game why not the actor who played franklin a guy called sean fontino has posted an interesting pic on his instagram account it's a picture of him in motion capture clothing you know where it's like the giant black tight body stocking with all the balls around it and the picture has him sitting in front of a poster of gta 4 this picture could have been taken any time, it could have been when the game was being made, but it could be a veiled clue that he is back recording new content for a new expansion pack. We just don't know. Now people have asked on his Instagram if that's the case, but he hasn't replied yet, so perhaps it is a clue. Fingers crossed. Mark Cerny has joined Twitter. Now Mark Cerny is the father of the PlayStation 4. He's a man who's worked in the industry for years, designed games, and he was catapulted into the limelight at the PlayStation 4 reveal event in early 2013. And you can follow him on his Twitter verified account at Cerny, which is C-E-R-N-Y. His first tweet includes a picture of him standing next to Hideo Kojima, the gaming legend who created Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid. Which brings me to the next story. Mark Cerny and Hideo Kojima have embarked on a world tour. So what does this mean exactly? Well, it seems that there are exciting things happening in the world of PlayStation. Sony are laying out the red carpet for Kojima now that he has joined the PlayStation family. So a private jet has been commissioned and Hideo Kojima and Mark Cerny are embarking on a tour of various PlayStation studios. It might be other places at the moment, but so far it's been PlayStation development studios. And Kojima, he's explained this. Let me read the quote of what's been going on. They are looking for the newest gaming technology. So why are they looking for the newest gaming technology? 
well, it could be that Hideo Kojima is looking to use it in his next game. And of course, Mark Cerny, the, the creator of the PS4, because that is what he is, he's going to be looking ahead for technologies for the future. Perhaps for the PlayStation 5. Perhaps for another product. Perhaps for PSVR. But that is what PlayStation do. They look forward, they research. And of course, Kojima Productions is making a PlayStation exclusive game. So it's very exciting to see them both together. Perhaps Cerny is giving some hands-off advice and Kojima is sharing his expertise. Anyway, for their first stop, they went to the Visual Arts Service Group based in San Diego. And it is a place where graphically cutting edge games such as The Last of Us and The Order 1886 use the motion capture facilities there. They've also visited Sucker Punch, the makers of Infamous in Seattle. And they've been to Sony Bend in Oregon. And Hideo Kojima, he also um, shared a couple of pictures which showed him looking at a video service which he looks to be launching. And it is called HideoTube. What it is at the moment is not clearly explained but it might just be a video channel on YouTube and it's likely going to be him and maybe members of his staff, his development team, talking about the development process or the creative process. So I'm sure we're going to learn a little bit more about that over the next week, hopefully. There's also been an update about the Uncharted 4 dialogue trees. Now Uncharted 4 is this big action adventure game, of course you know that, it's coming out this April. And there was a gameplay demo shown at PlayStation, the PlayStation Experience at the end of last year. And at the end of it, there was a screen where the player could be given the choice of selecting a dialogue option, a choice of what to say. So it was a cutscene where Nathan is talking and then three different answers appeared on screen which you can select which dialogue choice you want to make. So in the one that was seen, he could, well a player could press triangle to say, I believe the question, I can't, I can't remember it exactly, where, where have you been or what have you been up to? Um, I'm paraphrasing. And Nathan says, I found El Dorado. Or he could say that if you press triangle. If you press square, he would say, I explored Chambala. Or if you press X, I discovered Iram of the Pillars. So these are all locations, um, treasures from the different Nathan Drake games. And it did raise some questions about whether it's going to be this big um, sort of role-playing game mechanic in there, whether it's going to actually change the way the the direction of the game adventure, whether it's actually going to change the direction of, your, of the story that you're playing. But um, it seems it's not. Uncharted 4 game director Neil Druckmann has been speaking to Eurogamer and what he said was the thing that I want to make sure we're clear about is that we're not making Mass Effect. Uncharted has a very specific story, it has a very specific ending that's very definitive to the franchise but every once in a while we felt a dialogue tree would really bring you more into the scene. So I think it's quite a good idea in theory because it's not changing the type of game an Uncharted game is. You can't turn it into an RPG because that's, that's something else. What it is, is just giving a way to involve the player a little bit more to personalise the experience, to perhaps in this example reference the previous games and um, hopefully draw you on a little bit more into the game. Shenmue 3 
Now, a couple of Shenmue 3 screenshots have been posted. Shenmue 3 famously launched its Kickstarter campaign at the Sony PlayStation E3 press conference last year. And people have been waiting to see what it's going to look like. And apparently it's been developed with Unity development tools. And a couple of screenshots have been released. And one of them features Ryo Hazuki and Shenua standing next to a lake. And they're, they're looking outwards across. And it's a nice picture. And it's got the Shenmue community quite engaged. A lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people are excited about it. But there has been some comment that it looks, the graphics look a bit barren or they look a bit um, neutral. So yeah, there is a little bit of negativity about it. However, what must be remembered at this stage is that it is a work in progress. It is only a prototype. And they received a 6 million Kickstarter budget and behind the scenes, Sony are definitely gonna be putting or investing into, into that game. Shuhei Yoshida hinted as much, although he didn't go into any detail about that. So I don't think that these concerns that it's going to be um, overly ambitious with uh, too little budget, I think it's going to be fine. But we still have to wait and see. And I suspect we might get to see some video footage at E3 this year. Now, two new PlayStation 4 bundles have been announced for Europe. There's the Far Cry Primal bundle. Now it comes with a one terabyte jet black PS4, a jet black DualShock 4, and a physical copy of Far Cry Primal. And I think this is one of the, the things that Sony do right, is that rather than just giving you a download code, they're giving you a game on a disc. And whilst I've definitely started downloading games a lot more, there's something more satisfying about having a disc in the box at least it gives the perception of there being more value to it. So you've got the Far Cry Primal bundle, but there's also going to be a Street Fighter V bundle, which contains a PS4 1TB and Street Fighter V. Coming this week. So let's take a look at the new game releases. First is World of Tanks. Now World of Tanks is a free to play MMO war game. It's already out on PC and Xbox and the exclusivity agreement with Microsoft has expired. Now because it is a game that you play online with other people, Xbox users are required to have a subscription service to Xbox Gold to play it. However on PlayStation, if you don't have a subscription to PlayStation Plus, you will still be able to play this online game. So it's a good thing it's coming out next week on PlayStation. Life is Strange Retail Blu-ray release. Now this is coming out, it's got all five episodes. Don't know if you've played it, it's a time travel adventure game featuring the fantastical story of a 12th grade student, Maxine Caulfield. A patch has been released that improves the game's wonky lip syncing, so it brings the, the voice acting and the graphics um, together so that they're more in line with each other. A Boy and His Blob, a platform puzzle game in the style of a children's cartoon adventure. Now this was first released on the Wii and it was a critical hit. Also just out is Resident Evil Origins Collection. It includes the Resident Evil HD remake and the upcoming Resident Evil Zero. Coming this week. 
Now The Witness is coming out on PlayStation 4 and PC. It's the long-awaited puzzle adventure game from Braid creator Jonathan Blow. Now, it was originally meant to be a launch title for PS4, but then the project expanded and it kept getting delayed and it kept getting expanded, but it's finally upon us. Now, the price, there has been a little bit of um, upset about it because the price, let me give you the prices first. The price in the UK is going to be £29.99p, in the US, $39.99, and in Europe, €36.99. Now, the reason there's some upset is because people are expecting an indie game with an indie game price, typically about £15, $15, €15, Euros, that sort of thing. And this is actually a bit more than that. If the game is significantly bigger, if it does have all these puzzles, or it does have this big musical score, it does have this voice cast, then these are all going to be affecting the game. Ultimately, we have to wait until it comes out to test it, to play it, to see what it's like. But if it's a bigger game, then yes, you've got to pay for a bigger game. And I don't see why you shouldn't. Yeah, I'd love the game to be £10. Yeah, I'd love the game to be free. But some people, they just have to understand that games, they cost money, a lot of money to make. You have to hire people. And if there's a lot of people contributing to the development of a game, then you're gonna to have to pay that when buying a game. So, you know, as long as it's good, the price is perfectly fine. And you've also got Civilization Revolutions 2 coming to PS Vita. And you must know Civilization, great god game, strategy game, where you have to lead your civilization and build a glorious empire that will stand the test of time. So it's good that the PS Vita is finally getting another, I don't know if you'd call it a AAA game, but a big title. The game's already been out on iOS and Android, so it is a good game and it's a good fit for the Vita. Something that you can carry around with you, that you can touch the screen. Lovely. As there have been a couple of stories on PlayStation Plus, I'd like to take a quick look back at PlayStation Plus and what it's all about. Now, I don't know if you remember, back in the last generation, Microsoft were making a lot of money through their Xbox Live Gold subscription service. Now, if anybody, if any Xbox 360 owner wanted to play online, they needed a subscription. When Sony launched the PS3, they made gaming online free, so nobody needed it. However, to run an online service costs money. You have to pay for servers and all the behind the scenes technical guys and girls who run it. So Microsoft was earning all this money from Xbox Gold and Sony were effectively leaving money on the table by not charging PS3 owners to play online. Now, what were they to do about it? They couldn't just start charging halfway through the console cycle because this would alienate many console owners. So they had to come up with their own package, their own subscription service that would be optional, but hopefully attractive. So they came out with PlayStation Plus, which I believe started in June 2010. Sony had to find a way to entice PS3 gamers to subscribe. So PlayStation Plus at launch was a very different beast. What you would get with it was one PSN game, which was normally a smaller title, indie title, two minis, which were basic iOS style mini games, and 
you know, very lightweight, no trophies, it's insubstantial. And one PS1 classic. This was a PS1 game made to work on PS3. You'd also get free themes and avatars and discounts on purchases and also a full game trial. Now full game trial was basically a demo of a game but just the first hour of it rather than a selected vertical slice. You'd also get automatic downloads. So any game patches would download automatically for you making it easier so that you wouldn't have to do it manually. Now when it first came out I saw what Sony were advertising and it didn't seem like a very valuable proposition to me. I thought, why am I gonna pay all this money just to get a discount on a limited range of games? It was not attractive to me at all. And I could say it was the same with many people. It just wasn't enticing enough. It wasn't required to go online. It didn't have anything particularly valuable about it. Yes, the facility to update your games automatically seemed good, but why was I going to pay uh, £35 or whatever it was at the time? However, Sony did change and iterate on the service and improve it. What they started to do was they started offering decent full price games with the service. And so the word started to spread that for the price of less than one full price game, you were able to get all these amazing games. Now I'm trying to think back to the early era, um, what was coming out at the time. There were games like Dead Space. So Sony started offering all these free games with a service and they were good games, decent games, games you'd go to the shop for. So for the price of one full price game, you would be getting a subscription and one decent game a month. And it was, you know, very attractive. Who wouldn't do it? So whereas at first it would seem crazy to want to buy, to subscribe to PlayStation Plus, any PS3 owner would then start seeing their friends list. More and more people were now PlayStation Plus subscribers. So then a change started happening. People who owned a 360, they had to subscribe to get online gameplay. People who owned a PS3, they already had online gameplay, but when they subscribed to this service, they were getting all these free games. So then the idea was getting out that it was more valuable. For people who owned two consoles and were required to pay for two subscriptions, I'm sure a few would have dropped the Xbox Live Gold subscription. If you think that many gaming households are console monogamous, and many gamers have moved to PS4, then that means Microsoft's income from Xbox Live Gold will have taken a massive hit. And Microsoft would have seen this. So successful was it that it actually led to Microsoft changing their business model to imitate it because to not do so, people were leaving. So I can remember actually back at the E3 conference of 2013, Microsoft announced that they would start giving out free games with Xbox Live Gold. Now the first game they announced was early Assassin's Creed game. It might have been Assassin's Creed 2. And um, by that point, it was quite a dated game. Why would somebody want a dated game? Microsoft eventually started improving their service, but it just goes to reflect that this business model, this new idea that Sony introduced for the PlayStation was so good that Microsoft had to change what they were doing for fear of losing even more customers to PlayStation Plus. And it wasn't until the beginning of 2014 that Xbox Live Gold started offering games for Xbox One gamers. Now, Sony are in the lead. They have a significant sales lead over Microsoft. 
And there has been some discussion that perhaps it's for this reason that the games that Sony are offering are not as good as they could be. I think there is an expectation or at least a hope that there would be a AAA game every month. And um, I think that perhaps part of the reason there hasn't been as yet is that the PlayStation 4 is still relatively new. It's just over two years old, two years and two months perhaps. There are less games out there available to be offered for free. In 2016, you'll start to see bigger titles coming out on PS Plus. Okay, I'm glad we've had this chat. How did we do? How did I do? Let me know. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button so you do not miss the next episode. You can be alerted to when it's ready. Share this with friends, let them know. And thank you very much for listening. Come back next Friday for more PlayStation Conversation. Bless you for listening.